Welcome into the Atlanta Sports Party, your home for the best Atlanta sports talk. It's local insight you can't get anywhere else but right here at Locked On. I'm your host, Tanitra Batiste, and alongside me are Jarvis Davis and Maria Martin. Today's episode is brought to you by Fans Will Make Every Moment More. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. It's $150 if your team wins. So visit fanzool.com slash locked on to get started. The Atlanta Sports Party is also part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up later, we'll deep dive about moves that need to be made and we'll take you around the metro where maybe one move that's yet to be made should be. But let's get the party started with our top take. So, guys, there was an ESPN report that Arthur Smith's job is safe, barring a quote major late season collapse. Maria, is it fair to be having that conversation at this point in the season? I mean, I can see both sides of this, right? Like, I feel like because this is his third season, you start to really want things to show, you know, you want to see it pay dividends, everything that he's talked about over the last three seasons, you kind of want that stuff to come to fruition. And there's been moments where we thought that hey, okay, like they're really putting something together here. And then, of course, last weekend happened and the last minute loss happened and then everyone starts to feel some type of way. But I think, you know, and I understand why Falcons fans panic the way they do because of the results that have happened the last couple of years. But there is still hope for this season. There is still a chance at making the playoffs. So I don't necessarily think it's completely fair right now. Now, with the favorable schedule that they have for the rest of the year, let's say he only gets one more win you're talking about you could have easily snuck in there and hosted a playoff game and then all of a sudden you're talking about losing to a ton of people you really in theory should not have then maybe you start to think about it and talk about it but you have to remember too and and y'all know as well as everybody else whenever he got the keys to this franchise they were in a very very terrible position I think that what Mm -hmm. Arthur Smith and Gary Bondo have done in three years time is enough but it's not quite where I think that people expect them to be. But I don't really know what that means. Like, where do you guys truly expect them to be? I think that they've grown a ton in three years. They just seriously need a quarterback and they need to figure that out. But I don't necessarily think it's fair to talk about firing him at this point. Let's see what happens the rest of the year. And then maybe we discuss, is he the guy moving forward? Not necessarily next year. Right. I I would have to agree with you because it kind of titillates on what happened this Sunday. Because honestly, and it's going to be a challenge, so we also need to have some open minds about it because the weather report is saying that it's going to be disastrous in Carolina just like it was in New- in Jersey, rather, when they played the Jets. So you may see one of those grimy 16 to 13, 17 to 12 weird kind of grimy games, and you hope that the Falcons are on the other side of that. But I think... It depends a lot on what we see this Sunday and how, to your point about growth, Maria, if we don't see too many regressions, then I think that, yeah, you've got to give credit where credit is due. And also, let's just be honest, if it comes down to the final game of the season and the Saints prevail, that's obviously where you can have more of this conversation. But I think you still have a little bit of to be determined left on the table, Jarvis, before you can say, yeah, thanks for your services, Arthur Smith. Yeah. I'm not at this point, and I was actually kind of shocked that that the report came out. I mean, I know that, you know, uh, Jeremy Fowler, who's the guy at ESPN, that said he went fishing to kind of see what's going on and kind of put some feelers out there. So, you know, of course, you're going to get some answers when you when guys like that put, you know, put, put feelers out. So for me, I think I've seen the progression because I know that 
each year Arthur Smith has to ha- has had to come into uh, the season with a plan of how he was going to do things based off of what he was given, right? Because mm-hmm. you know you had to do a roster fill a, a, a field with one year guys and, and and then some some guys that it was time for them to go, you know. But you kind of mm-hmm. had to kind of stick around with Matt, you know, being one of those guys. Yeah. So I, I think that this is this is interesting because this. Their plan was put out there by the owner, Arthur Blank. He said, hey, third mm-hmm. year, we're going to be completed for the playoffs. We're going to be able to spend money. And then you saw some of that return on your investment in the third year on the defensive side of the football, right? Because I've been so pleased with how this defense has been playing. Yeah. Now, granted, can they add another pass rusher that can put somebody on the ground on third long? Sure. But, like, overall, I've been very pleased with what I've been seeing with the additions with Jason Bates and David Onyemata, Caden Ellis. All those guys have been Solid, solid pickups for sure. And, and I think Jesse Bates have won you a couple of games this year just based off his play alone. Yeah. So yeah. I'm I'm kind of surprised. And he hired Ryan Nielsen. What was Dan Quinn's biggest issue? Hiring assistant coaches. So this is this is kind of weird for me. But I, I think that the, um, this offense, though, has been weird as well, right? What, 18, 19 points a game? You're the offensive coordinator. You're also the head coach. So it's just like your side of the football is not the unit that's doing so well. And we experienced this with Dan Quinn as well. That's why I feel like these these situations are very similar. So yeah. um, I think the only thing difference is with Dan Quinn, he lost the locker room. And I feel like that was kind of, that was very evident. So I think Arthur Blank had to make a decision. But I think mm-hmm. right now, Arthur Smith still has a locker room. But yeah. this offense has to get to some type of continuity, like some type of flow. And like Maria mentioned, it just... The quarterback has kind of been the reason that the offense hasn't been able to get right. Yeah. So yeah. can you let him go, Maria, before potentially getting him a quarterback that he can actually work with? Should we come to the end of the season and say he's not even the most serviceable of QBs for what Arthur Smith wants to do in the future if you keep him? You know, what's really tricky is that Terry Fontenot and Arthur Smith drafted said quarterback that we are talking about and in the third round. Mm -hmm. So you draft a quarterback in that round, assuming that they are going to play a lot of football for your franchise. So they're in a really tricky position because you draft him thinking that he's going to work out. And, you know, I I have given Desmond a lot of praise and I think I have seen a lot of growth throughout this year. Mm -hmm. It's just the issue with Desmond is he does a lot of things really well in the game and you see the visual progress with him each week and he's a young quarterback that is going to happen mistakes are going to happen the issue though is as we've talked about so many times his issues are so glaring and they'll lose you a game and so that's where it was really tricky and you know unfortunately head coaches fall on the sword for things like that so if they don't figure out either how to make desmond work or figure out another quarterback, then yeah, you're going to have to start talking about, okay, maybe there's some time for some change. But back to what Jarvis was saying, I think what they did defensively when they had a lot of money to spend and clearly it's paid dividends. I mean, my goodness, this is probably the best, this is the best defense I've seen since I've been here, which isn't very Mm -hmm. long, but four seasons for sure. So you have to- Matt Ryan prayed for this defense. Literally. Matt Ryan's prayers have been answered right now. Right. I I feel so bad for him though. Can you imagine? He's like sitting there like, how come I didn't have any of this? What the heck? Exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, they kept him in so many games this year. And that's the, that's the unfortunate part. Like you see what good quarterback play paired with, you know, like we've seen average to below average quarterback play being paired with a, a, a solid, solid defense that can make plays for you. 
what it can do, keep you in one-score games. That's why so many games have been so close because of this defense and how they've been able to play, especially specifically in the red zone. They've been able to shut teams down. The 20 to 20, they may be able to move the football, but once you get into that red zone, this defense has been able to make play after play after play. So, yeah, it's they, they're in, a, they're in a, a tizzy because at the end of the season, they're going to have to figure out if Desmond Ritter the guy right now. They can't – Nobody wants to hear, and I'm sure the owner is included in, in this category as well. Nobody wants to hear progression and trying yeah. to build as a team. You're in your third year. Like, teams turn it around by this time. Like, the NFL is built for you to turn it around in a year. So, I think, you know, and it's unfortunate that you have to start making decisions that has your, your job status ties to it in the third year or at the end of the third season. So, this, I feel like this offseason is going to be interesting, but I don't think it's fair right now in this moment for, to be talking about Arthur Smith. Oh, yeah, his, oh, his job is safe. Like, wait a minute. How do we hear this quickly? <laughs> yeah, how do we know it's safe? How do we know he's on the hot uh, seat? Because the other piece that is something that you have to consider is the very thing that has kept him above floating, like, you know, keeping him above water. And the same thing that's been keeping this team above water is in jeopardy this weekend because the infirmary list is what the infirmary list is. And so right now, you know, looking at what the practice uh, schedule was today, of course, good news is that Jeff Okuda and LaKeo London returned to full participation yesterday. So that's a very good indication that they'll probably be a go this Sunday. But on the same token, at practice today, still no Caleb McGarry. So that could affect your O-line, although your stand-ins did decently last week. Uh, good news is, you know, Jake Matthews and Chris Lindstrom are back. So that could be a positive. But again, you've got to take into consideration, okay, Contavia Street is out. So that's one of your better, um, that's one of your better weapons to be able to defend against the run. So I think there are just too many kind of what-ifs. Uh, kind of too many asterisks, if you will, to make any type of decision or or any type of value judgment at this time. So we'll talk a little bit more about it as time goes on. But in the meantime, we also need to talk about a team that's not quite where we need them to be or wanted them to be at this point. But what does that really mean? That's what we're going to talk about in the deep dive. This episode of the Atlantis Party is brought to you by FanDuel. Now, I can say as the weather gets colder, because it is cold outside, but at least we've gotten some warm weather this afternoon. However, it's going to get cool again tonight and this weekend. That might be a perfect time for you to figure out how to stay hot, no pun intended, on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Now, if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, but you're not kind of sure, like I said, there's no better time to get in on the action because if the weather's up and down, you're probably in your house and might as well make money while you're there. This app is so user-friendly and there's a wide range of betting options, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and continue this NFL season on a winning note. You got four weeks left to make it happen. So visit FanDuel.com. Again, FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season, ending it the right way. It's the official partner of the NFL. So guys, whew, where do 
start. You could start it saying that the Hawks have lost five straight. You could start it saying the Hawks lost seven of their last 10. You could start as saying the Hawks have lost seven out of eight. But no matter where you start, Jarvis, the end result is the same. They sit at the 11th spot in the Eastern Conference. They sit at 9 and 14 on the season. And they sit at a place where all three people on this particular podcast are scratching their heads each and every day. And honestly, I told someone this morning, guys, that you could almost hit rewind, like literally on Quinn Snyder's post-game presser. And that's not an indictment of Quinn Snyder. It's just saying we're seeing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. So what I wanted to do, even kind of tee it up, and this is just like a quick yes, no for you guys. For me, it's very, very frustrating, but I still am okay because at least they're competitive. If I kind of do a comparison contrast of what I used to see last year, where you talk about losing a locker room like Dan Quinn did. Well, we also know Nate McMillan lost that locker room. It showed on the court, no matter the fact that they got to the playing round. This year, I feel like, A, they're competitive, and B, it might still actually be a good idea that this is happening at this point in the season. We'll talk about that in a minute. But Jarvis, still in all, 9-14 and 14 is 9-14. and 14. How in the Sam hell did we get here? <laughs> I think there's a lack of depth on this roster because when you think about Jalen Johnson going down, and this just team, this team just looking awful <laughs> defensively. Like, like we saw we saw it last year, right? We saw like bigs, like dominant bigs, like specifically Pascal Siakam, like gives the Hawks blues every time they play. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, physical teams, like we've seen that, but it just seemed like it's hitting a little different this year. It's a little bit more uh, obloviated, so to speak. So I think that. For, for a guy like Jalen Johnson to go down and this team start to look like this, and then obviously with DeAndre Hunter being out, it, 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 wow, Wesley Matthews was in the starting lineup. 45-year-old Wesley Matthews was in the starting lineup, T. That's what we're talking about here. So I'm just like, oh, my God. Like, this roster, the way it was constructed for the 2023-24 season is not good. It's not good. And I think that it has to fall at the feet of – Landry Fields, and I think that you made a great point as far as with, you know, it looking kind of different because we're talking about the locker room situation. Quinn Snyder has everybody bought in. That's from what I've seen. Like, he has the, the star of this team in Trey Young. He mm-hmm. has him sold. But I just feel like Quinn, you got to give Quinn Snyder something to work with because this is – like, Jalen Johnson wasn't even projected to be a starter coming into this season. They were rotating. He and Sadiq Bay. So – we lose a guy that's potentially a, a guy coming off the bench, ed, boy, ed, on the edge of being a starter. We lose that guy. That's this is what we get. Five five straight, seven out of the last eight. Yeah, so I, this one falls at the feet of Landry Fields and Kyle Corker. So, yeah, this is, this is where I'm at with right now, T. Yeah, and kind of to echo what you're saying, Jarvis, you know, we've been frustrated for a while, right? And yes. when Quinn Snyder became the head coach, we all thought that there would be just this – I don't know. I don't want to say immediate change, but kind of. We felt like it was a really good sense of energy. Uh, He was going to change some things, certainly defensively. Quinn Snyder doesn't need to prove himself to us. He doesn't need to prove himself to anybody. He's done that already. He did that in Utah, okay? And especially when you're talking about defensively, he came in and you're thinking, okay, he can open up something that we haven't seen with Trey Young. He's done that a little bit. Trey's defense still isn't mind-blowing. I don't know that it ever will be, right? And this team has gotten a little bit better defensively. They're doing a lot of things differently than they have in the past defensively. So you think about a growing pain there, but still, like Jarvis said, the depth on this roster 
It is not good. It's not even just okay. It's it's just bad. And they have to fix that. And I was looking at all of the different transactions and moves that have happened since the Eastern Conference Finals run back in 2021. And that starts with multiple changes at the head coaching position mm -hmm. and everything else. There's been nothing that's been impressive aside, obviously, from everyone knows what happened. One of the biggest and best, best backcourts that we thought we were going to get in DeJounte yeah. Murray and, and Trey Young, but still their connection is kind of wonky. Sometimes yeah. it works, sometimes it doesn't. And mm -hmm. I think Jalen Johnson was just a surprise. Nobody yeah. thought he was yeah. going to be the second best player on the team this year. And obviously he hasn't played and you're missing him significantly. I wrote down this stat that Hawks opponents are shooting 7.5% worse at the rim when JJ is on the floor. That's crazy. They're missing a huge piece of the puzzle defensively, but it can't just be one guy. And the right. depth is really the problem. I mean, I can't mm -hmm. even see another way. It's just incredibly frustrating. They gotta, they gotta fix it. Yeah, and I think that I'm ex that that kind of makes me excited because I'm like sometimes you gotta get exposed about how bad you are so you can get good. And yeah. I think the Hawks have been okay with like, yeah, we got a squad, we got enough to you know make some noise in the Eastern Conference. No, you don't, because like you said, Trey Young has actually you know his numbers are going up because. You never saw him have anything more than like a 0.2% of blocks every yeah. season. Now he's kind of hovering over the one, which is, hey, hey for him, that's good. Uh, four to six rebounds, of, uh, hey, you take it. Because at yeah. least you know that he's trying, he's buying in, and he's making things happen. And his steals are actually leading to transition buckets and fast break points, which back in the day, it'd be, a steal would just be, well, a steal. So, and I'm kind of going up this chart for a reason. Now, Maria, you were very nice about it. I'm just going to be a little bit less nice. Go DJ. That was my DJ. That ain't my DJ right now because I'm just not getting it. Like last night, Maria was a prime example. How do we get a stat line like we got last night where Trey had 35, DJ had 20. Trey had 17 assists. DJ had 11. Trey had one block. DJ had two. Trey had four rebounds. DJ had six. You lost the game. You lost the game. How do we finally get what we want out of the backcourt and you still lose the game? Well, Maria, you answer the question. You lose the game because of Jalen Johnson not being there. You lose the game because points in the paint and transition buckets are not in your favor and you have nobody. I repeat, nobody. I said it again. Nobody to guard on the perimeter. 11 of 19 shots were made by the Raptors in the Wednesday game because, of course, we know they got to a tilt again on Friday, but of those 11 Jarvis, eight of them, eight of the made shots were threes. And that has been the thorn in the Hawks side again and again and again. So that's what Jalen Johnson also gave you on that perimeter defense that said, hey, at least I'm going to get a body on you and at least I'm going to get a hand in front of you before you shoot this shot. Let's just go to the three. Never have we gotten a consistent output from DeAndre Hunter. So him being out the last couple of games to me, I mean, that's like a pebble in the ocean type situation because he did do some things well before he was out. But the boulder in the ocean is Jalen Johnson because it tells you, hey, when you don't have him in the starting lineup, then that means you've got to pull Sadiq in, which means that takes productivity from your bench unit, right? Or you've got to pull in the Matthews boys, and I don't even want to go there with that. But that puts a lot more – that put, shines a light on the fact that you don't have that depth. You've got Bogdan Bogdanovich, who's given you a really good season so far, but he's older, and you know what's going to happen around late December, early January. That body's going to start getting shaky, shaky. So I think, and this, this is why I think this is a good thing for us, guys. 
because at the end of the day, this might be a blip on the screen in the long season. Maybe it is. But if you go year over year, 9 and 14, and you lost to the Raptors, 13 and 10, and you beat the Nuggets last year, who eventually became the world champion. That means something, right? And maybe that puts some heat on Landry Fields and Kyle Korver to say, we're going to have to fix this. We're going to have to fix this fast. Yeah, that's going to be the thing that the sense of urgency, I feel like that's where you are with it. And that's where I am with it too, T, because like the, you know, the main, the major move that you made was a salary dump. And that is very clear what it was. Everybody who, you know, even if you're a casual fan of the Atlanta Hawks, you understand why they traded away John Collins, you know, and for them to be in this space, well, you said nine and 14, you lost five straight. And there is, there has to be a sense of urgency because Quinn Snyder got the benefit of the doubt from the owner, from everybody who's been looking at games. And, you know, we've been saying it on, on, on this, on this podcast as well. Like we, we see the difference. We see the difference, but like the results, you know, are pretty much the same. So like it has to be somebody's fault. So I think this finger is starting to point upward into to, to the brass that guys make the decision who put these um, guys in place on this roster. So I think that, you know, Thinking it up right now with one major injury for real is 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 the best probably the best thing that could have happened because Landry Field better start picking up that phone because you know there've been some reports that they have start reengaged the Toronto Raptors about Pascal Siakam so yeah. hopefully they can make that move because Lord knows they need it. <laughs> I was gonna yeah. say I didn't know I didn't know if you were trying to manifest that earlier, Jarvis, when you had drop Siakam's name earlier. I didn't mention it. And yes. I of course, yes. I'm a manifest <laughs> I do. That's, I speak it into existence, Maria. That's where I'm at with it. Like That's how I live my life. I, I put it out there in the atmosphere and it, and it happens. So, yeah, you know, I like if, if I like you can buy John Collins' condo, you know, hey, come on down here, Pascal, man. Atlanta's good for you, man. You know. I saw you quote tweet, but maybe Siakam will see it. Hey, it's a little $2 million bucket condo. Here you go. What's, what's right that? Here, because let me tell you, if you think it's expensive to live in Atlanta, try Toronto. Toronto is one of the most expensive cities in the world to live in. Albany is a beautiful city. But yeah, you guys are absolutely right. I thought about this. I said, yeah, this is good. They're going up to Toronto. They get to see Siakam smoke them one more time before Jalen Johnson comes back. Because yeah, I mean, literally 33 points, 12 of 19 shooting, and a power forward, three, three of six from three, seven rebounds, seven assists. That's the stat line that you want that, first of all, John Collins could never have given you. But right. for what he brings yeah. to the table, you can go ahead and start getting your package together because he absolutely put something on display last night to show you, oh, just a reminder, in case you're still wondering who I am, I am still him. And we haven't, you know, we haven't seen the Hawks make a move like this in a really long time. And that's, yeah. we've talked about it before in the past. We've been waiting for them to make a move that is significant and then we'll actually change the roster. And no, we're not talking about dumping John Collins's contract, which needed to happen regardless. So you need a body in there to make a difference on the court. And we haven't seen that. And so that's what's so frustrating. And yeah, I was a little bit nice about it earlier, but I definitely do still think that there has to be change and it has to happen now because from the outside looking in, I mean, the Hawks, they are not good right now and they are in dangerous territory, potentially missing the playoffs. This is a team that had such high expectations. Something has to change. And it's not, it's not just the head coach anymore. And that's very obvious. 
Yeah, because at some point it becomes a hole that you can't dig yourself out of because when you start to lose these head-to-head matchups in the Eastern Conference and you get to your point, Maria, where it is there's a situation that comes about where you literally have to go to head-to-head competition when the records are the same. If the Hawks keep losing these types of games, they're going to come out not so good on the other side. Now, speaking of the other side, we're going to go around the Metro and see if there should be some movement or if there should not be some movement and who and how is going to impact one of our teams. We'll talk about it on the other side. Folks, listen up really quickly. Locked On Sports Atlanta is doing something really new, really cool. All you got to do is Locked On Sports Atlanta Insider. Yes, you could become one. All you have to do is go to joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta. Joinsubtext.com slash Locked On Sports Atlanta. And you can become a Locked On Sports Atlanta Insider. All you got to do is go to the website, you sign up, and you get a free two-week trial where you can get phone text updates right to your phone, whether it be... You know, um, all 22 breakdowns, breaking news, any rumors, especially we're talking about Pascal Siakam, trade rumors, all this stuff's come directly to your phone. You get to try it out for two weeks. And if you like it, all you got to do is pay $4.99 a month. That's it. So you become a Locked On Sports Atlanta insider today. All right, guys. Around the world, as the world turns, we do know that so far there have been 16 players for UGA who have entered the transport portal, but really all eyes are on what Carson Beck is going to do, right? Especially with all the Dylan Riola drama of him now not going to Athens this weekend and going up to Nebraska to take an official visit. So word on the street, there have actually been multiple reports that Carson Beck hasn't made his mind up, but that one of the things that he is considering is whether or not he can get upwards of $4 million as it relates to his NIL if he remains in Athens. Now, that is, I mean, that's that, that's where we are. Let, let's just be real. That's where we are in college football, in college sports period, where that athlete is able to make that kind of stance or take that kind of stance and make that kind of demand, Maria. But is it fair? I mean, is it fair for Carson to just basically, and his camp, to just basically say, this is what I want. This is where I stand. What are you going to do, UGA? Yeah, I mean, whether it's fair or not, that's what's going to happen until there are changes in the NIL rules. And I am very much a pay the player kind of person. I have been for a very long time. So, you know, I can't I can't fault him for wanting that. And I can't fault his camp for wanting that when you see way more money than that in NIL right now. So especially for a quarterback. Um, so whether or not people believe it's fair, I I kind of get it. And, you know, he is good enough to be an NFL quarterback. And I wasn't so sure until this past year, although I do believe that he could actually benefit from one more year of college. And so I think it would money aside. I think that he should play one more year. And that's just my personal opinion before he goes to the NFL. Um, But you're talking about one more year of college. He could potentially be a first round draft pick. I didn't think I would ever say that until I saw him play this past year. So whether we think it's Mm -hmm. fair or not, that is the world we live in with college football right now. Yeah, and Jarvis, it's happening. Now, the average, even top-tier quarterback is asking for three-quarters of a million up to a million dollars, but four mil? I mean, whoa. And, hey, I'm, I'm not mad at him, but four mil? <laughs> Here, here's my hashtag. You know, everything has a hashtag now nowadays. Get that money. Like, that's why I'm at yeah. with it. Like, ask for, ask for the moon. And if you land in the clouds, hey, you're doing good for yourself. Because, hey, 
Let's let's do some real quick math. Hendon Hooker. There are a lot of draft boards talking about, hey, they have Carson Beck ranked the fifth quarterback in the, in this draft. Last year, Hendon Hooker was the, the fifth rated, um, rated quarterback in last year's draft. He was drafted in the third round. His contract, four years, $5.7 million in four years. $4 million in one year, $5.7 in four years. That's easy math. Like, so, yeah, I have no problem whatsoever with Carson Beck asking for this type of money because, you know, Shadur Sanders, who coming from a from a HBCU, making that leap to the Power 5 school, shoot, he was making that. He was yeah. out there driving Bentleys and stuff. So yeah. why not? I, I, that's just the world we live in. Until, yeah. like I said, like Maria said, until they put some, some type of regulation on this stuff, let it be the wild, wild west. I'm cool with it because I love seeing coaches trying to figure this thing out because you, when you're making seven – and some coaches make an eight figure deal, eight figures a year. Yeah, hey man, you get paid to handle this stuff. So better do I go figure this dog on thing out. So yeah, shout out to Carson Beck. Hey man, you using that leverage because college football players haven't had leverage. I understand what it is to be a college football player and not have any leverage whatsoever. So yeah, I'm off. I'm a proponent for these guys. I hear the making demands. Hey, either you meet it or we we part ways. Yeah, I'm we cool. Yeah, and I'm okay with it too. I just wanted to see what you guys thought on it because people are like, four million. Oh my God, he's demanding it. Yeah, he is. Because if you think about all that revenue he generates that really kind of pays his coach's salary, it's way more than $4 million. And I also like the proposal that Charlie Baker has put forth. The president of the NCAA said last week and then elaborated on it earlier this week that he is interested in putting some parameters in place so that there can be just a little bit more of an equal or even playing field where female athletes are able to take more advantage of that money because of the way he would have it divided up. And he would make sure it's also across sports that are quote unquote non-revenue generating. So, I mean, for me, Jarvis, I think that wouldn't be a bad deal because, hey, if he gets the mo the money, then maybe that also kind of makes adds to the pot for those athletes as well. And to Maria's point, the NCAA, which we we know is not the perfect entity that it proposes itself to be, but it is also irrelevant at this point. If they want to make themselves relevant, here's an opportunity for you to do it. You're not going to be able to rein everybody in or reel everybody in, but this might be an opportunity for you to say, okay, here's a case study of Carson Beck and others. Let's see how we can do something to actually make that work or benefit other athletes um, at the same time. Yeah, this is this is the world we live in. I'm I'm glad Baker is having some type of foresight to start putting some things in place that the schools can be involved because you know these are these NIL deals. These coming from boosters and you know all these people pulling their money together to come get these kids, and the schools kind of sitting back like, all right, we need y'all to bring some money, but y'all making money too, so. Yeah, like I, I love the fact that, hey, schools can get involved as well. And you're talking about a minimum of at least $30,000 a, a year for, for, for these kids. Yeah, let's do it. Like the more money you can get these kids involved, the better. Can I say one more thing real fast? So I think, you know, to Jarvis's point a little bit ago when he said college athletes have not had leverage for forever. And, you know, I could go on and on about the women thing and, and non-revenue generating sports because they need money too. But let's just talk about football yes. for a second because – athletes have had no power, right? The NCAA has held all the power for forever. And now we're in a world where it is the polar opposite. So you're doing two extremes. So someday we will meet in the middle, but for the yes. time being, why don't they take advantage of this peak that they're at? Kind of like what you were saying, Jarvis, take advantage, get everything that you can. And then some Sunday, somehow 
we will meet in the middle. So 4 million, whatever, do it, you know, go play another year, make 4 million. Hopefully you invest a ton of it and don't blow it all in one year. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Great. If you could get it. Yeah. And it also would, it would be great for Georgia to at least have that stability under center and maybe they can continue to build or rebuild this roster around him and make another run for a national title next year. Listen, we appreciate you guys as always for stopping by the Atlanta sports party with this episode being brought to you by subtext. Don't forget to like and subscribe to our YouTube channel. We will see you on the Hawks postcast on Saturday.